0: Money FM 89.3, best of weekends.
1: Heading now to Steve Oaken and our international news review. Good morning, Steve, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Neil. Great to be back from India
0: and without any technical problems.
1: Well, we, sorry we missed you last week. Uh, <laughs> Don Pierce did a stand-up job of standing in, and, uh, and thank you to, uh, for trying to get on with us. But, uh, hey, it's all good now. You're back in, the, back in the zone. And speaking of in the zone, a 110-minute conversation on video between President Xi and President Biden uh, yesterday, not too many hours ago from now. Uh, give us the uptake uh, or the upshot of, of what they discussed, Steve.
0: Well, I mean, I think this call illustrates that, that Russia's invasion of Ukraine is presenting profound shifts in geopolitics that are going to last mm. for months, if not years or or decades. Um, look, at this call, it was for, for President Biden to warn President Xi about the cost of Beijing providing material support uh, to Russia. Um, now, President Xi has, has denounced military actions, but he's refrained from condemning Russia for its aggression. He's he's called the the the, the sanctions in place against Russia illegal, saying it's going to cause a, a global economic crisis. Um, and she also talked a bit about about Taiwan as well. So I don't know how much further along we are now. That we can tell it's really go, it's what's going to happen in the coming days and months that that, that will. We'll get a better sense of what's going to happen with, with China and Russia and U.S.-China relations.
2: Yeah, But on that point, Steve, it does feel a slight stalemate again, as if we've been here before. I mean, Joe Biden talked about implications and consequences. They were the words used, implications and consequences, if Beijing provides material support to Russia. What could those implications and consequences possibly be, Steve?
0: Well, the, the first question is, what is what is President Xi going to do? As my friend uh, and McLarty, uh colleague Ryan Haas uh, describes it, who is you know, President Obama's director of uh, at the National Security Council for China. You know, Ryan says, look, Xi has competing priorities. He truly places a lot of value in China's partnership with Russia. But at the same time, he can't undermine China's relations with the West, especially when it comes to, to to the economy. And so, how is how is President Xi going to balance that? I think look, Putin clearly painted himself into a corner by thinking that he could easily go into Ukraine, topple the regime under under the. The, the false premise of denazification and instill a, you know, a client state, a puppet government. And that that didn't happen. It's not going to happen. And who knows what Putin is going to do. And she made a mistake, I think, by outsourcing China's foreign policy to Russia. And now what is China going to do? So that's really the the key question that we have to watch. And President Biden made it very clear He can't allow China to give military aid to Russia to continue the murders and atrocities that are happening to to women and children and and innocent civilians in in
1: Ukraine. Steve, is there a is there a disconnect here with China's support? of Putin in Ukraine and the fact that China has always been very very clear about this idea of of non-interference mm. and and you know cu- big you know countries should stay out of other countries and stay out of other countries business etc and yet here we have their friend Russia you know, going into an independent country and, uh, you know, without any provocation, physical provocation, uh, where's the, where's the connection that China, you know, it's some, it's some mental gymnastics or geopolitical gymnastics they're doing here, right. To, to make this work, at least from what I can see.
0: No, no, Glenn, you're, you're exactly right. And that's why this is going to have, or could have such a profound impact on, on geopolitics because China has always taken the position uh, of, of its strong support for territorial integrity. Um, and, right. and it is clearly not doing that yet. It is not doing that here. And, and China recognizes the risk of China and Russia being lumped together mm. as interchangeable enemies of the Western world, as not supporting that need for, for territorial integrity. And so what is China going to do to escape the trap of either being interchangeable mm-hmm. with Russia, but also wanting to support Russia. Yeah. And that is what, what this phone call was about. It's, it was the U.S. laying down a clear marker on behalf not just of the United States, but, but of all the, you know, 100-plus countries that, are, that, that, that have condemned uh, Russia's invasion. Um, and now the ball is really in she's in court.
2: But can I just add very briefly before we move on, where does this leave the situation now between China and Taiwan? Because he did bring that up. He did mention that uh, Xi claims some people in the United States are sending the wrong signals to the Taiwan independence forces, which is very dangerous. Those were the words attributed to, uh, to Xi. So where are we with the Taiwanese situation on this?
0: Well, I mean, I think, and this is a discussion. You know, Glenn and I were a part of with the AMChams of Asia Pacific um, on Friday. Yeah, yeah. That, that that Taiwan and Ukraine are two extraordinarily discreet and different uh, examples um, of 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 where they place in terms of geopolitics. I mean, the United States does not have any uh, formal agreements with with Ukraine. It does. With Taiwan, Taiwan is completely integrated into the into the global value chains, especially when it comes to semiconductors. So the the economic difference between the two is, uh, and the importance to the global economy, the Western economy, the U.S. economy is is very different. And so I think there you you really do have to look at these separate and apart um, in terms of analyzing. Well, what what Russia is doing with Ukraine, China should be. Looking at how much the West came together so quickly and so strongly, especially after the four years of Donald Trump, where it was coming apart. Um, and that should lay into the calculus. But they're really two very different issues geopolitically, economically and even legally under under U.S. law.
1: Yeah, that, that I thought that was an amazing point uh, that uh, Ryan Haas brought up uh, the other day on that on that call, uh, Steve, that you organized, by the way. Great job. What on, did he say? Just briefly, uh, Basically saying, you know, Taiwan. And Ukraine, totally different. Taiwan, highly developed economy Mm. that is integrated, as Steve just said, into the global value chain, semiconductors and elsewhere. Super organized military, right, response. Mm -hmm. Ukraine, not so much. Taiwan has all these agreements with the U.S. for protection and others. Ukraine, not some, you know, that sort of thing. So there's a a very big difference. Fascinating. Uh, Yeah, that was a good one. Okay, Steve, let's move forward to the story of WNBA basketball player star Brittany Greiner. Now, she is one of the best, you know, female basketball players in the U.S. She plays in Russia on the offseason. She was arrested in Russia, and now her... Her, uh, sent, or her detention has been extended until May the nineteenth. Is this uh, Russia holding an American, you know, for political purposes, for hostage, for Ukraine, for sanctions, for whatever?
0: Well, there's kind of when the interesting. There's a couple of interesting questions. One, why is she there to begin with? Right. Why is, you know, arguably the world's right now greatest woman basketball player and most famous woman basketball player in in Russia? And but didn't she go before? She gets
1: paid lot- didn't she didn't she enter uh, like either right before or right as the invasion was happening to play basketball? She. she- no she
0: entered but I mean the question right she went she entered right before but but she's been there for like 5 years and the question is why is she in oh, Russia at all and it's because saying. Russia pays Russia pays so much more money yeah. than than the Americans do to women's basketball players and they yeah. they make I mean Brittany Griner makes over a million dollars a year in Russia she would make about a quarter of that when she plays in the WNBA in the US and that is because the best with the, the oligarchs who own these teams they want to own the best in the world mm. you cannot own the best in the world of a men's basketball team in Russia you can't own the the best in the world of a men's soccer team in Russia it's why you know why they they've gone to London to, to buy those teams but you can <laughs> own the best in the world right in Russia when it comes to women's basketball so they pay well above what you would ever earn in the US or Europe and that's why you get these talents and so that's why people go there like Brittany Greiner even though they may not Agree with the political system in Russia. Mm-hmm. It's it's where they are valued the most. Yep. And there there was one NBA player who tweeted out. You know, she said, uh, a, a, you know, a star NBA player, a WNBA player. She tweeted out and said, "Thank God for overseas because my bag would have been fumbled." Now, I, of course, have no idea what that means because I don't, I'm not up to speed on Twitter language. <laughs> but it, it, it basically, it's basically you. You lose a lot of money if you stay in the U.S. and you make it if you go to Russia. Mm-hmm. Now. So she's been going to Russia over and over and over again. She brought in, well, the Russians allege that she brought in, you know, hashish cartridges. Um, and that is, if true, against Russian law. Um, and she could be jailed for up to 10 years. So, Glenn, the, the question is, why did she get arrested? Was she framed or did she violate Russian law? And if she violated Russian law, then you have one system to work through. And if mm. she's being used as a political pawn, mm. you have another system to work through. And it could be both. Right. Mm. That she did do this, but that, that that it's being now amplified because of the geo, the, yeah. the geostrategic uh, issue between the U.S. It's,
2: it's such a fascinating story, this one, Steve. I have to say, where does American sympathies lie with Brittany Griner? The reason I ask that is because, yes, on uh, taking at superficial value, it seems obvious. You know, she's a political pawn; she's being held against her her will. The sympathies are with her. But if you look at the global mood, Steve, how quickly it has turned against oligarchs, against the principles of sports washing. How quickly it's turned against Chelsea. How quickly it's turned against Russia's participation in the Champions League, the upcoming World. Cup which at the moment I don't think they'll be there so what is the mood towards Brittany knowing that she's taking money which is her right but she's taking money from the oligarchs of Russia
0: well, I mean, I think part of the mood is that this is kind of a, Americans are saying, why do they need to go to Russia or Turkey or other countries like this to begin with? Why aren't we paying them more as Americans? So I think you have that debate where the Americans are saying, why aren't we recognizing that these are the best women basketball players in the world and paying them what they should be paid, that they have to go play year round in the U.S. and then and then in Russia or Turkey or the like. So that's, that's one issue. I think they would say, yeah, you know, Americans – is, is speaking maybe glenn we'll see if glenn agrees with me americans would say well we should never be treated unfairly by by foreigners and that if you you know if you violate the law in singapore you shouldn't be caned right and and i one quick story my friend was a Back when he was a consular officer in, in, uh, in, at the U.S. Embassy in Japan, you know, he pulled late night duty. So you get all the phone calls on weekends from people who get thrown in jail and he gets a phone call from an American and the American says, I'm in jail. Get me out. He's like, sir, what did you do? He's like, I was just riding the subway. Well, what, what do you mean you were just riding the subway? Well, I didn't have money, so I went through. Okay, well, you shouldn't have done that. And then what happened? He said, well, the guy stopped me. So I punched him in the face. Right? The guard stopped he said, sir, we don't punch people in the face in Japan. We will see you Monday morning. He said, get yeah, out of jail now. He's like... Sir,
1: enjoy your weekend.
0: People in the faith that you Enjoy your weekend. Uh, so that's yeah. the thing. So Americans think that oh well, American law applies to me, not Russian law, not Singaporean law, not Japanese law. But what you know what it does now? Hmm. Again, this case may be very different because of 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 when it happened and did she get set up? And there's worry that she did get set up. Now we don't know that, but the Russians won't. Grant her consular access. The embassy can't visit her, and they're supposed to. And that's what, yeah. And, and that's
1: part of the story that seems quite odd to me. Is that 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 is a right of every citizen to have their consular representatives uh, see them, visit them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of weird. Okay, let's move forward. Uh, since we're still on Russia, you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, ab- tell us ab- about ab-
2: this. whoa, this Russian oligarch super yacht, Steve. This is a great <laughs> story that I think yeah. a lot of our Singaporean listeners will love. Tell us about this poor, maligned. Wah, wah. <laughs> Oligarch and his super t- yacht woes.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so, you know, so, you know, as most former KGB officers do, <laughs> they have lots of, of money. And as most former KGB officers do, they can afford to buy an $85 million yacht.
1: 68 uh, meters, 223 feet. Yep, carry on.
0: <laughs> annual running cost of five to eight million. Right. You plump down that eighty five million. That's just a start. You've got another five to eight million every year to run the thing. And so now he's not on any sanctions list. So we can't we, we, we don't know that he's done anything illegal and he hasn't been sanctioned as part of, of, of Russia's invasion uh, in, into Ukraine. But his his yacht is it's stuck at a dock in Norway because no one is willing to sell it any fuel.
1: <laughs> talk oh. about a first world problem right and i think some of the crew well, I, the crew members were not being paid or some i, I know there was some other thing or maybe there's another yacht i don't know well but, well the, the crew's all western
0: right and and they weren't you know weren't sailing to russia but but um you know one of the uh one of the the norwegian fuel suppliers when the crew was complaining that they wouldn't sell them fuel um he said you know what row home
1: you know,
2: yeah, raise your sales. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're not getting any gas from us. Yeah. And, it, and But this does extend into a, a broader question for businesses. Uh, you know what? If you're going to do business in Russia, um, if you're going to do business with Russians, what are your customers going to tell you? Um, How are your customers uh, going to treat you? Um, And so this is a real struggle. While obviously, you know, you feel sorry for the Western crew um, aboard aboard this vessel, although maybe some people don't. Um, uh, But people are saying we don't want to be in any situation whatsoever where we are contributing to the Russian economy. Mm. Um, and so, if you are a Western business and you're still doing business uh, in Russia, are you going to be subject to consumer boycotts the same way? You know, this 85 million dollar uh, oligarch-owned ex- XKGB yacht is being subject to a consumer boycott and a supplier boycott in in uh, in Norway. It's a real change of of what's happening, and and customers, consumers are becoming super empowered.
2: I keep my super yacht at Sentosa Cove. It's much safer. It's easier cleaner, to get fuel. Right? It's nearby. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I have good relationships with a Singaporean crews. And, and I bet, Neil,
0: that when you're on your super yacht, you only have. Five guests with you, and you will all wear masks.
2: At, at all times. <laughs> exactly, unless until the food <laughs> arrives, and when the food <laughs> arrives, the COVID mi- miraculously dissipates really, around my t- dinner table. Well,
1: Steve, we definitely want to have you, you on, the, on today. Yeah. We're all going for a cruise later, so Steve, come bring you know, come on down after yeah. the show. And, well,
0: I, I would invite you to my barbecue pit, but we already have five people.
1: So <laughs> you got one? Wow, lucky <laughs> you.
0: <laughs> well, not me personally. Hey, so, uh, just sorry, just
1: real quickly, the deadline. Just passed for the sale of Chelsea, uh, Roman Abramovich's uh, club. Obviously, the official deadline was twenty one hundred GMT Friday. Uh, four or five bids, uh, somewhere probably around the two billion dollar mark is what we're hearing. Um, Steve, have you have you watched this at all? And, and there's uh, quite a you know in, interesting groups of people involved in this, including the owners of the Cubs.
0: Well, I mean, Neil will, will know this a lot more, but this gets to my point of the 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 i don't know if you well you could use the word ego i'm sure neil would use the word ego of of billionaires and they want to own the best they want they want to be you know in control and they want to have this asset um and so if you want to own you know the best franchises in the world yeah there's a couple in the u.s but they're really in england and they're and they're the the, you know the the soccer clubs or the football clubs um, that are in England. And that's why you're getting the owner of the Chicago Cubs or the owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where Tom Brady is the quarterback. That's not good enough. It's just not good enough to mm, have mm. that. You need to have Chelsea, or you need to yeah. have you know Man City when you're, you're or wherever the money's coming into to, to the UK. But it
2: was funny this week, and our football fans were like this when Tom Brady went to Manchester United last week because it's same owners, right? right. The Glazers own Manchester United. They own T- Tampa right. Bay Buccaneers. And with all due respect to our American friends, I think Tom Brady learned what real superstardom <laughs> is. It's one thing to be big in. A- american football in america but when he went to old trafford and he saw cristiano ronaldo yeah. he saw what real global fame was yeah. and the next day he came out of retirement <laughs> <laughs> Tom brady said i'm coming back but, but, but remember it was ronaldo who knew enough
0: to ask tom brady said hey are you retiring <laughs> right? are you really retired so yeah. it's greatness recognizes greatness it doesn't matter mm. where you are it mm. doesn't matter what the sport is when you have two arguable goats in Ronaldo and Brady, you know, greatest yep. of all times. So yeah, That's that's just, that's great. Roger Federer and Tiger Woods are friends. I mean, that's, that's, that's why we're like friends. That's why we're friends. How about right? all three greatest. of
2: us? Steve, don't exclude <laughs> yourself from that. Come on. Well, you can come on the yacht now, Steve. You're allowed. <laughs> we're meeting for drinks 2 p.m. this afternoon.
1: All right, Steve, as always, thanks still, for uh, still, following, I'm, following the news for us today and bringing it home. I do appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Great to be back.